test, test. All right. I am a, as you'll find, as Seinfeld would say, I'm a low talker. So as much as it seems silly to have a mic, we do our teacher devotions in here and they're always like, can you just put your mic on? We can't hear you. I'm going to get Nate. Can you come pass these out to everyone, please, sir? And Andrew Kreft, can you pass these out? You're like, I didn't want to work. So there's a, what's coming your way is a schedule, and that schedule is mostly just for me. Okay, the, the, the window that I'm going to try to, the window of information I'm going to attempt to cover in a given day. Um, the handout today, I probably won't get out of the first line. If you've heard me teach before, I don't do really good at keeping outlines, but I'll try. Um, and then in future weeks, we probably won't have as many, outli- as many outlines. It's mostly just covering general topics. Uh, also, I've got these little orange cards because I find that often you have a question and you don't, you, don't, you don't have like a time to get it in or you raise a hand and I miss it. Um, so you, you can write your questions down and hold it up. <laughs> uh, and I can get to it when I get to it. Or you can write it down and, and st- hand it to me on your way out and I can address it next time. So I'm going to pass some of these out. It's a pretty self-explanatory card. (laughs) In fact, can I get you to pass it out for me? All right. I've also got my my cell phone here as my official recorder. I used to have like an expensive one, but the iPhone is better. (laughs) And it's easier to like upload stuff. So in future weeks, if you're not here, if you're not able to make it for whatever reason, or if there's something heretical I said, you want to go back and check um, and then take me up on charges with my supervisors, uh, you can act, you'll be able to access. I'll have Beth send out your emails, uh, send out um, the recording to your emails, and also it'll be accessible on the church's website. So you'll be able to follow along. And that's especially big because I know there's, there's weeks um, we have a couple people who are only able to commit to like half the classes. Um, so they're going to try their best to listen when, they're, when, they, when they can't be here. Uh, okay, so first what we're after. What I want to get you to do, um, let's gra- open a Bible. If you're, ever, if you're ever in this front pew for whatever reason, if, if you're, I mean, Lutherans are always like adding chairs in the narthex <laughs> when there's no one up here, but... Uh, there's, there, if you're ever in the front pew, they're, they're actually underneath your, your legs. There's hymnals and Bibles down here. Flip over to Matthew 28. And if you don't know where that is, so my next to you help you out there. Matthew 28, so page 835, if you got the company standard issued ESV here. Lots of different translations out there. That's maybe conversation for a different day. Uh, Matthew, Matthew 28. Now the 11 disciples, as Judas was dead at this point, this is post-resurrection, 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And that's how it goes. Even still today, we get together where Jesus has called us to be, and yet doubts often still hit us. All of us may be at different times and in different ways. 
Um, and yet we still are called together, and he handles our doubts. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So here Jesus gives this, this formula, like making a cake, he's making disciples. And how is it how you do it? Baptize into his name, and with his name he gives a tremendous amount of promises, and we'll, we'll talk about his name uh, next week. But he puts his name upon us, and with that his presence, and he says, so make disciples by baptizing them into my name and teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. So the teaching of our Lord Jesus goes hand in hand with the baptism, ultimately to make a disciple. It's like that's the formula. So the ongoing teaching of, of which you're a part now, and you've very likely been before and hopefully will continue to be, that's the ongoing life of the disciple. And with that, with, with that gift of baptism and hearing his word, he attaches this promise, I am with you always to the end of the age. So his presence, he attaches his divine presence. And this is a really masterful thing when, as we'll unfold next week, as he puts his presence in the temple in the Old Testament. And then the temple gets destroyed. Jesus is the temple. And then Jesus is, Jesus is crucified, and then he puts his name upon us. And now we become temples of the Holy Spirit. But that's next week. So what we're about is continuing this, this uh, baptismal life of the Lord calling us together as we begin worship. Um, Lutheran worship, and not really just Lutheran, but all Christian worship typically should and, and does begin with the invocation in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. That name that the Lord put upon us in holy baptism, promising that we're two or more gathered in that name, he, there he is among us. And so having been called together to receive our Lord's gifts, worship begins in that name. Uh, and so sometimes we'll see people make the sign of the cross, and that's just because uh, we make the sign of the cross on people when they're baptized. Um, Luther, it, we're, we're, we're a pretty uh, liturgical congregation, if you haven't figured that out yet. Uh, on the spectrum of Missouri Synod, we're, we're definitely more liturgical, and this is all within the realm of freedom. Some, you know, all things are lawful, uh, not all things are helpful and so forth, but we, in our, in our setting here, we've, we've uh, determined, we've just kind of committed to being distinctively liturgical and uh, conf confessional is the word we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about over the, over the class. Liturgical in our worship style. Uh, some churches try to do blended and be all things to all people and it means they do everything poorly and make no one happy. <laughs> that's, my, that's my opinion. Um, and there's other places you can go around here and find non-liturgical worship, even in Missouri Synod congregations, that's fine. Uh, we've committed to liturgical and we said, let's do one thing and do it really well. And, that, and, and obviously, we also have a rationale for why we think that's better, right? Um, but we don't need to fight that battle. It's kind of nice here. We have people driving, many, many of you actually, you've dr driven a long way to be here because you want, the, you want the consistency of what the Lord is doing through the liturgy. Um, so we begin with the, uh, the invocation in our worship. Now let's look at our, on your handout, which I'll attempt to follow. The purpose and goal of this class. Many of you, if not almost all of you, are, are Lutheran already. Um, 
even Missouri Synod, many of you, I should say. And uh, so why, why are we having this class? Uh, some churches you might go to and they just, they just take a transfer letter from a, some other pastor and, and uh, it's super easy. And, um, and that's fine. But we found that, and maybe in your own experience you found this as well, not all, not all Lutheran churches are the same. Not all Missouri Synod Lutheran churches um, teach the gospel in the same way with such clarity. So for some, and I've had people here, they've, they've kind of come into Lutheranism in, with a church that had very minimal catechesis. A catechesis being um, the big word for, uh, comes from the Greek. Catechesis. Uh, that's where we get our word catechism. It comes from the Greek. Uh, so kata means again, echo means I hear. So to hear again and again and again. So if you're a kid, why do you think your kids know how to sing all the lines to like Frozen or any song ever? Because they've heard it again and again and again and again and it sticks. Well, it's the same with the catechism. It's how Luther um, is teaching the gospel to children is this condensed form of, of teaching. What does this mean? What's the first commandment? What does this mean? Repeat, repeat. And we do it in our day school again and again and again and driving those things into the, into the depths of your memory. So for some people who grew up Lutheran and they wander from the faith like sheep tend to do, or not even Lutheran, but really any church, especially creedal church bodies, you grew up saying the Apostles' Creed, let's say, and then you wander from the faith for 20 years and you come back and you're able to say the creed because you said it a million times. Lord, Lord's Prayer is the same way. These things are, stick with those, those people with Alzheimer's. When they lose everything else, they, they're able to still say the things that they've been saying a million times their whole life. So um, we... Um, so not, everybody, not every church has the same level of catechesis. So what we want to do is make sure that we're being faithful and teaching what we're about as a church. And uh, we've, we've seen over the years too how like whenever issues come up, which believe it or not, sometimes you'll find sin in churches. It's rare. Um, if you expect there to be no sin in church, you'll be disappointed because the Lord Jesus only calls together sinners. And what sets us apart as Christians, it's not that we do not sin, but that we know where to run when we do and be forgiven by our Lord Jesus, and then share that same word of forgiveness with one another. And then from that forgiveness actually comes this life of the new Christian, the, the life of, uh, I should say, the new man, of striving to not sin against my neighbor. And all of you, all of you know this from just practical experience. If you say mean things about people all the time, you find yourself with increasingly less friends, right? If you're not, if you're, if you're, if you're lying all the time and stealing all the time, people don't trust you. So that's a practical, it's a practical way that that works out in our lives. Um, so, uh, so we strive, we strive against that. So in this class, we're trying to make and strengthen disciples, not members. I don't need any more members. That sounds arrogant. 
I'd, I'd, I'd say the same thing maybe if I had a lot less members, but when I, when I came here, we had 1,600 members on the books. Trinity Lyle had, we, we had 1,605, and Trinity Lyle had 1,600 because the former, my predecessor and their predecessor always had this ongoing battle. And uh, I'm like, who cares about these numbers? Because as I looked at it, I got people on the books who haven't worshiped in 20 years. And I call them up, and they're living in Texas. And they've been Buddhist for 20 years. Why are they on my books? I need to know who my sheep are so that I can care for them. And so in the last five years, we've been meticulously kind of working through the roster and uh, we've kind of got it down to, I think, a manageable seven to 800 semi, semi-faithful. And that would include a lot of like college students, so from some of you parents who have kids in college or out of college, kids wander off in college and they don't really have a church and they're living in Florida or something. And you're like, you don't want to take them off the roster because you feel like if we do that, then we're giving up hope. So we got some of that. And we're actually always about trying to reach out to them and plug them in somewhere but I don't care about numbers. I want, really we want what the Lord wants, and that is to make disciples and to strengthen them. So a disciple being someone who's, who's actually hearing the Lord's word and living from his gifts. So I don't need numbers. Um, we, the, the, these weird like cards that we ask you guys to fill out, this, this process doesn't work. Every church does it differently. It's so, so full of holes. Most of you who have been visiting probably never fill out that card. I'm looking at you guys. Uh, there's like this card. Whenever we're, I was telling, uh, I was telling Andrew earlier, like during church, all the pastors during communion, when, when you guys are being all reverent, we're at the, at the altar reverently asking each other, who is that? Who's that guy? Who's, who are these people in the back? <laughs> Try to talk to those people later. Um, and then we're like, if you would take a second and fill out that visitor card in the pew in front of you. Some churches have like a little book they pass down the aisle. There's a million different ways to, to do this. Because uh, we don't always maybe see who's here if you're sitting in the back and behind some tall guy. And if you come to communion on the other side and I didn't commune that side, I didn't see you. And we find that we don't want anybody falling off the radar. So if you fill out that card every now and then, then we put it in the system, a whole volunteer base. And some of you eventually might want to sign up for that. We're always looking for volunteers for these things. They put it all in the, in the computer. We're able to run these reports of like, who hasn't been in worship in X amount of time. And then we get a printout. And then we go after them, call them, knocking on doors. Where have you been? How's it going? Usually something's going on. And usually nothing's going on. And they just needed to be reminded to come to church. I can call up and not even say anything. I call up, people answer the phone, and what's the first thing they say? Before I say anything at all, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. We've been meeting to get back to church. <laughs> I'm the walking law. I was like, I was just calling to say, hey, I don't, I don't have to do anything bad, right? So people know, right? Sometimes they just need a little nudge. Um, so uh, we're, not, we're after making disciples, and, and, but also as you are a disciple at Bethany, you're, you're being brought into fellowship at Bethany. So for one, I need to know who my members are. I want you to know me as a teacher, as a pastor, a care, caretaker of souls, the, the ancient word seal, sorga. Um, you'll find different kinds of pastors out there, pastor as CEO, pastor as counselor, whatever. Um, but we try to be pastor as, as um, caretakers of souls. 
and that is primarily based around giving the gifts that the Lord has, has given us to pass along to you and, and to help in, in the ways that we, need, we can and need to help. Um, the, let's see, I want, I want to make sure you know what you're getting in me, and then I also like to know what I'm getting in you, because after this class, after this 10 weeks, um, life gets busy, you get busy, I don't see you as consistently, perhaps. Um, I don't get a chance to maybe talk to you as intimately. And depending on which, by the way, if you know me, if you call me, I'll talk to you for three hours. I give you all the time in the world, which, which unfortunately means other things get put off. So, um, but if you ever want to chat, if you ever want to call um, or sit down or for coffee or something, I never, I'm, I'm a people person. I, if, ask Beth, I'll come into church and I never actually make it into my office. I'm going down to the school to play with the kids. I'm, I'm answering, I'm walking around the sanctuary, making phone calls, talking to folks. Um, but if you ever want, so if you ever need to chat, Roy's here for you. Um, what is church membership and fellowship at Bethany? So in short, I've got this picture that I like to do. Most of you, I believe, are communing already, and that's good. And we, we have our communion statement that we annoyingly read every single week. And you might say to yourself, why do you do that? Well, we've got, on, especially pre-COVID, when we developed this practice, let's say 400 people worshiping here. Sometimes a lot of people come out of the woodwork they, they're, or they're visiting and they're Lutheran. And some of you who came from my hardcore old school pastor churches, they, they drill it into your skull. When you visit a church, you show up 20 minutes early and you talk to the pastor and you announce and all this, or you call, you, some people call me like a week in advance. I mean, praise the Lord for that, that's great. Practically, it doesn't usually happen that way. It juggle, people juggling the three kids out of the minivan, they come, they're stumbling into church five minutes late, they sit in the back. They are lifelong Missouri Synod. Their dad's a pastor in St. Louis. What am I gonna do? Quiz them at the rail? What's the second commandment? What does this mean? And if I did that, if that was my bar, then I, then I have to hold everybody to that bar. And for those of you who are lifelong Lutheran, if I was to ask you, what is the second article of the creed meaning, right? Or how can baptism do such great things? Are you gonna rattle off some like thing that you memorized 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or you never memorized at all? Is, and, and is fellowship at a church just a matter of memorizing data? Or is it simply saying, I believe what is being taught here so when we are, when we are the, the altar that I'm blocking with this giant whiteboard, but we'll use this like historic picture of an altar. And here's like the pulpit over here. Um, when you all come together to receive the Lord's Supper, you'll find, and the more you get to know one another, you'll continue to find this to be true, that you don't have too much in common necessarily with the person next to you. You might not even like them. You, you probably don't even know them because the church is too big, you haven't had a chance. So this gives you a chance, hopefully by the end of this class, you guys get to know each other in this group better. So when you see each other on Sunday, I mean, you're used to this pretty big crowd we got here. So you can, it demystifies the, the, the congregation. You can start to recognize people. But, I mean, so you, you, might, you might be a fan of the socialist sport of soccer. Um, <laughs> and, and I might not like soccer, but we can still get along because we are in fellowship about the, the main thing that matters. That is, we are, we're, we're at this altar, not because we get along with each other 
as the starting point, but because we're all confessing the same thing about, about Christ and what he's giving us at the altar. He's giving us his true body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. I'm also, when I come up to the rail, I'm saying, I need the forgiveness of sins. I can't get it anywhere else. And so God works toward me through means that this is the true body and blood of Christ. And that's why it's, the, that's why it's able to carry the cross into my life. I'm confessing all of that in this simple gesture of walking up to the rail to receive the Lord's body and blood. You can do that if you're a Hindu. Because, have any of you ever been to a Hindu temple before? It's fine. <laughs> You're not doing anything wrong. Again, I'm sorry I'm dripping everywhere here. Such is the way of being a parent. <laughs> um, and when you walk into a Hindu, depending on where you go, like, there'll be, like, imagine, imagine I'm, I'm, oh, I'm underselling this, but there's card tables around, like, the outside. And they're, all, they're basically little booths to all the little gods. because millions of gods in there in their pantheon. So many gods. And uh, when, when you walk in, because you got this, your friend at work, Somali, and she's invited you to her temple for her daughter's thing. That with this, You don't know how to pronounce it, but you're like, okay, I want to be nice to my friend at work. And I don't want to be hurtful, so you come. And you're not saying anything. Like, I, I don't believe this God. I'm just here to support my friend so that I can have a conversation about Jesus down the road. <laughs> or because I have to work with her and she'll annoy me if I don't at least come. So you come. And you walk in and you see everybody's taking off their shoes. Okay, we'll take off my shoes and my stinky feet. And uh, everybody's walking around the outside and there's candy on all these little tables. They look like Lucky Charms. Not Lucky Charms. What's a little plastic candy? It's hard candy. What? No. They're individually wrapped squares. Jolly Ranchers. That's what I'm after. They look like Jolly Ranchers because it's like a shiny, clear candy on all these little tables. You're going around like, oh, I like Jolly Ranchers. I'll have one. Popping it in. And uh, you're walking around. So when you get to the end, your friend Somali says, I didn't realize you were Hindu. He said, I'm not. I'm a Christian. Oh, because you took off your shoes, um, giving reverence to the deity here. And then you ate the candy, showing your worship to that deity. And you're thinking what? I had no idea I was doing that. Why didn't they tell me? So now when people come to Bethany, if you grew up in Missouri City, like some people put on the back of the bulletin like three point font on the bottom, it'll say the communion statement. Here's what we believe and here's who can commune here. You don't even know that statement's there unless you're looking for it. And if you are, you can't read it because it's so small. Because we're making room for when the women's bake competition is, uh, you know? So we're like, let's just, let's just say, let's just read it as part of the liturgy. And we're going to make it very simple. It doesn't say you have to be a card-carrying Missouri Synod Lutheran. Listen next time. I say, when you commune here, you're saying you're in fellowship with what we teach here. Because what we're saying is Jesus is giving us the same stuff through altar and pulpit. And that is what unites us to each other. So our commonality, our unity in communion is about what we're receiving from the Lord. That's what binds us together. And that's where we find our unity. And, and, and from that also comes a, typically a very similar worldview. Because we believe the same thing about Christ, that means we believe the same thing about 
who he is, that he has created us, that he's redeemed us, that he's, sanct- that he's coming again on the last day, that we need the forgiveness of sins. We have to know what sin is, which means we have the Ten Commandments. And we have the Ten Commandments ordering our life in a very crazy commandmentless world. So that ends up giving us naturally a very similar worldview on the most important things. Obviously, there's still a diversity among us, and that's good. Paul talks about it as the body of Christ. One body, many members. If we're all the elbow, that's a weird way to be. We need fingers and toes and appendixes. <laughs> well, while the appendix seems to have no purpose, it can really hurt you if you don't take care of yourself, right? <laughs> so we need all of our body parts to be functioning together. We're all given individual different gifts, and we function well together as a body. Let's see. Um, the goal to, to get you guys to, to know one another. So that's fellowship I covered. And basic membership would just be me knowing that I'm your, I want to know that you're my sheep. So that when I got, and this happened not too long ago, somebody got hurt. It was like on the news. But they weren't my member. They have kids in the school. But they, they've never, they've worshipped here maybe once. And, um, but I didn't know that, like, am I supposed to go visit them in the hospital? I'm happy to do that. I, but I don't know if I'm supposed to do that or not. So I'm calling them up, trying to figure this thing out. If you're my member and you're in the hospital, I'm coming. And they're going to try to stop me. You know, the best was in COVID when they were like, sorry, only family. I said, yeah, I'm her son. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting back there, man. You know? Uh, the coolest was being, I was the medical power of attorney for Dave Bodenstab, who died, and um, God bless him, he's with the Lord. He's a great, guy, great man. Uh, he didn't have any friends, so he asked me to be his medical, or that he trusted on a certain level. So he asked me to be the medical power of attorney for him. So I go to the hospital back during COVID days wearing this. And usually people at the hospital are not very nice to pastors. I don't get it. So they're like, wait a second. Like, there's only so many visitors they get a day. And um, you got to sign this special clergy form, which is super annoying with this gigantic marker that no one can steal like, like a child. But if your family, you just walk on by. So I walk in wearing this. Excuse me, sir, did you sign the medical power of attorney <laughs> and you just go <laughs> this is great so so this it used to be this is like your get it get into anything free card now it's kind of slowing you down um I'm, let's see you're getting to know me i want to get to know you i want you to get to know each other and that's why we i like thank you very much for being here early um i know it's kind of it's like 30 minutes for for bad carbs and, and mediocre coffee. Um, the idea there is to, because otherwise I'm just me, it's me talking. I'll talk and talk and talk and talk, and you guys never actually get to chat with one another. And that is a huge part of what we're trying to accomplish in this time together. So it is not purely a data dump, but it is a time of getting to know each other. So next week, show up at 8.30, grab your coffee, and just get to know somebody else, if you would. That, that really, that goes a long way because uh, when you come to a, any new place, things go well for you. It, things go a lot easier for you when you find your people. That's how it works in any situation. Work, you take on a new job, move to a new place, a new, a new s- suburb, right? a new uh, neighborhood, whatever. You find 
your people, whatever that means. Obviously, we all, again, we have the same, the main things in common, but also you, you'll end up finding people have even more similarities to you, whether it be you're in the same like age demographics, or you're going through a same time of life, right? Um, and then plug in somewhere. Because we're, we're trying, I mean, the, we try to say, we're, we're trying to make a big church feel like a small church. We're not that big, frankly. I mean, depending on here, if you're comparing us to Willow Creek, we're an ant. But unfortunately, in Missouri Synod these days, most congregations are like 30, 30 members um, and they don't have a pastor. They can't afford one. God, I mean, it's, it's a terrible situation. So we're very blessed. We've got three pastors and lots of people. And with that, if you want to just sneak in and receive the Lord's gifts and sneak out, that's fine. But it, it's, it is, it's more joyful and it's more fun for everybody else to get to know you. You have gifts to share. Um, and for you to get to know them. And you can actually help them and they can lean on you and you can lean on them, right? So it's a community, the idea is it's a community, not a, it's not a where you go in to get your card punched and then you leave. The Lord does give his gifts here if you wanna just show up and grab that and take off, but it is nice to be part of a body, right? You don't just run into, run into Thanksgiving dinner at your parents' house and grab your plate and run out. Aunt Susie won't let you do that anyway, right? So you're, you're, you're here to be part of this. And what that means, both the good and the bad. Uh, Cousin Eddie, anybody? Uh, your, your, crazy, your crazy uncle that everybody just kind of rolls their eyes because he's always drunk by 11 o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving. Um, he's gonna say some embarrassing stuff, but that's, that's Eddie or whatever. Like part of this, that's part of the family too. We're kind of, we, co- we help cover each other's weaknesses and accentuate their strengths and help those when they're down and they help us when we're down. That's part of being part of a community. Uh, and last, so it, it, as, you, as you do kind of plug into Bible study on Sunday morning and over the course of the next 10 weeks and you'll see lots of different stuff happening. We have a little book of things you can plug into here. There's tons of stuff going on, tons of different groups you can get in based on your interests. Oktoberfest is coming up. You can easily volunteer for that. Um, you can keep an eye on that week at a glance, that newsletter. If you're anti-email, um, there's, we print that off and it, it, there's paper copies available on the Welcome Center there. But um, the, the best way to make a big church feel like a small church is to plug in, plug into a group, become an usher, become a sacristan. After you guys are new members, you can uh, help distribute communion and various things and all, lots of different ways to plug in and get to know folks. And this class is headed toward uh, the installation of new members. And uh, there's not gonna be like a hard sell on this. Uh, my job in this class is to try to give you a glimpse of what we're about and what you're joining yourself into fellowship with. Then you can say whether or not you wanna be in fellowship with that. Odds are, if I'm saying a bunch of offensive things to you that you don't wanna be in fellowship with, you're gonna naturally leave. You wouldn't be here now, frankly. We would have offended you at at the pulpit already. But my job is to simply say, here's what we're about. And then uh, as we get closer to the end, I'll be asking if you wanna join the church, just like transfer letters, depending on where you're coming from and, 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 uh, and that kind of stuff. So we can get you plugged into the, to being a new member. And then on November 12th, November 11th is our last class. And then November 12th is the, um, our new member installation where we'll go through the rite of installation in our, in our hymnal. In fact, we can do that right now. So if you set your, set your um, Bible aside for a moment, there's no way I'm gonna get through my very ambitious handout. That's why there's next week, right?
Grab a hymnal, the other burgundy book. Lutherans are very creative with their color choices. So flip to page uh, 151. Sorry, it's a rudest sniff. Um, the, when you're teaching a, a confirmation class, or adult confirmation, adult catechesis, whatever you want to call it, the pastor gets to decide, like, okay, how are we going to order this class? What's going to be the structure? Um, so what's the order of doctrine? So the, the, the catechism has six chief parts we'll be going through, the Ten Commandments, the, the, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer. And typically, if you went through Lutheran Confirmation or even Catholic Confirmation, typically you're following the order of the catechism. Uh, I have found that it's more helpful. Um, I mean, that's, that's actually really helpful too. But unfortunately, what would, what would inevitably happen is we'd spend 10 weeks telling you what we believe and never mention why we worship the way that we do. And we never had a chance to talk about why we worship this way that you're not familiar with. Or maybe you are familiar with, but you still have questions as to why we do some of these things. But we never had time to focus on it, and then you're out the door, and we're never really talking about it again. And a couple years back, we had a, um, a capital campaign. Ugh, I hate those. Um, which ultimately COVID killed, so that was nice. You're not going to raise money for a new Narthex when you can't stand six feet from someone. You don't need it, you don't need it right? Um, but so in that capital campaign, though, we, we did all these questionnaires. We found that a lot of our members don't, hey, have no idea why we do most of the things that we do in this room. And they're members here. And they've been members here for a long time. So like, I should do a better job of explaining that. So we've tightened that up significantly. One way is that we, we're actually going to order our, our time together in this, in this class by the worship that we do on Sunday morning. Uh, so do, do be coming to worship because ultimately this class is toward worship and toward fellowship at the, at the altar. But um, this way we're able to talk about wh what is the worship and why we do the things we do. So already at 151, divine service setting one, um, there's, divine service simply means like uh, God, divine God, is serving us. So we come here not to do something for God, but because we need something from him. Uh, so we come before him and he gives us his gifts. And so he calls us together right away and we, he calls us together in the name that he put upon us in holy baptism. And if you're not baptized yet, let me know. We gotta take, let's take care of that because he, he gives us everything in the gift of baptism, joins us to his death and resurrection, gives us new life, uh, joy and peace in the midst of chaos and all the rest. So. And we'll be talking about that in the next, the next couple of weeks. And then we get into confession, but that's, that's coming up later. So, that's, so we'll be following divine service right now in church. If you're familiar with the Lutheran insider lingo, there's lots of different divine services. There's five in this hymnal alone. If you came from a church with different hymnals, there's different settings. But the idea is it's the same content, just set to different music. And sometimes some different responses. Sometimes they're older. Uh, I think coming up in a few weeks, like in uh, maybe in November, we're flipping over to Divine Service Setting 3 for you old schools. That's the, the old TLH that everyone prefers. And that's actually all of our preferred liturgy, but what we do find there's a lot of people who grew up with the LW, if you know what that means, that royal blue hymnal that no one liked. A lot of people grew up, in my generation, they grew up with that. 
You grow up singing, this is the feast, for example, and some of that hymnody. So, um, so that's, that's divine service one and two in the hymnal. If you're ever wondering, like, why we pick what we do, we basically like to rotate between setting one and setting three. Usually setting one in the summer, setting three during the feast seasons. So after we get into All Saints Day in November, then all the way through Easter, and then we go back to divine service one for the summer. That's generally where we shoot for. Um, now I'll flip to, from that's uh, the invocation, and we're going to spend three weeks talking about just that line. We're not going to get out of it. Pastor makes the sign of the cross, congregation standing up, and then so, some are making the sign of the cross, remembering their baptism. Um, you don't have to do that. Um, Luther actually commends it. Most people, you know why most people don't make the sign of the cross in the Lutheran church? It's the same reason why Lutherans don't do a lot of things in the Lutheran church, because it's Catholic. That's not a good answer, because the Catholics, guess what? They believe in Jesus, and as long as they believe in Jesus, they're going to heaven too. So if you start saying you're not going to do things the Catholics are doing, you're going to find yourself somewhere really hot really fast, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's maybe a mean way to put it. But, but so we don't want to just spit out everything that the Catholics do, because the Catholics do it. But we should be able to ask, what is, what is in the realm of freedom? and what is helpful and what is not. And that's why you have that liturgical spectrum. We start with a crucifix when we walk in. Why do we start with a crucifix and walk in with a procession? Well, one, it reminds everybody why we're here. And many will turn and face the crucifix, and some, as it passes, will bow in reverence to make the sign of the cross, remembering why we're here and my great need for Jesus. But most importantly, it gets, it gets the high school kids in church because they get to be the cross bearer. <laughs> so, say, I know how to light a candle. I don't need two little kids to light candles, but it gets the kids and their families here, and then we get to goof around in the sacristy with these kids. It's actually, it's a, that's a, it's an important thing. You're like, it demystifies the, uh, the, the, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. What's going on back there? What do they do? So we're talking, we, we get to talk theology to the kids, like why, what, why today is important and why we're doing these things, but really, so practically, um, we start with the cross, that's what we're about. And um, we come forward, with the, we sing the opening hymn. Usually the hymns are set to the theme of the day. The pastor peels off, the, the celebrant, the guy wearing the, the chasuble, which is just our way of marking the, some, some guy with too much money died and gave us a bunch of money to buy some cool stuff. So we did, we're not gonna not do what he asked us to do with his money. So it's called a chasuble, which just covers the preacher slash celebrant. And we like to cover up the guy. It's, it's nice to cover up the pastor because um, it's not about me. You might not like me at some time, right? But that's okay because God's still giving his gifts to you through the office. That's why we wear this stuff because I'm a sinner, black, but the words that I'm given to speak are the Lord's words and they're pure. So we, we, especially on Sunday, then we're doing the holiest of things where we're going to cover up the man. So we cover up with the all the, the stole marks us as ordained. And then the chasuble, that thing we wear on top of that, just sets apart the, the preacher. And we'll do, um, we'll do typically the, the preacher will do private confession or do a confession absolution from the altar. And, but before that, we begin in the Lord's name. He's called us together in the Lord's name. And we remember our baptisms. And in our baptismal life, the main thing is not that we do not sin, but that we are daily drowning the old sinful flesh and living from the gospel every single day. That's this orbit, that's this repetition. 
And the Lord in his wisdom has decided, you know what, I think these people can make it about six days before they get too dirty and they need to come back and get cleaned up again. <laughs> well, it's just, it's a way, just a way of thinking about it. So he calls us together and, and it's our baptismal life is to be regularly forgiven and then sent out to serve and love the world. And as we do that, we're gonna offend people. We're gonna sin against people. We're gonna make mistakes. And so we know where to come. We come back, never sins forgiven, we go back. That's the rhythm. That's the Christian life. Um, I've been talking a lot. Any questions so far? Don't forget those orange cards. You can take them with you. You can leave them when you're here. If you have anything that comes up, anything about baptism in general, I'm not going to get too deep into like, a lot of specific questions. Like, um, well, we'll talk maybe about infant baptism later. But there's lots of different, lots of different obscure, not obscure questions that might come up. Yes, sir. Thank you. Great question. Why the design? Um, I, I think, if it's okay with you guys, as long as we can not spill coffee in here, if it works, I, we maybe we'll just keep having the new member class in here because I like being able to point at stuff instead of referencing it from a different room. So um, if it's okay with you, we'll, we'll do the same thing next week. We'll meet in the other room and, and come in here. I think the pews are pretty comfortable too. Um, the design, t- typically, the, in the Christian church, one enters into the Christian church in holy baptism. That's why if you've seen a baptism in the, in the rite of holy baptism, it says, we welcome you in the name of the, we welcome you to Bethany in the name of the Lord. However, the, the congregation's response, like they've been coming to church ever since the baby was born. The mom has been bringing the baby to church. In fact, in utero, the baby's been coming. So why are we welcoming the baby? Well, because baptism is this entrance into the church. Now you're part of this, officially a part of this thing. Now, Talking about salvation before baptism and all that, that's a whole different question, but uh, we can talk more about maybe a different time. But when it comes to the, the baptism being the entrance of one into the church, symbolically then, a lot of churches, especially early, in the early days, put their font in the back of the sanctuary. And so you can walk in, stick your hand in the water, and then remember your baptism. It's a great thing to do, by the way, because... And it's like, seems so silly. And God, Jesus never told us to do that, by the way. He never told us to make the sign of the cross. Luther said it was helpful. He retained it in the catechism. The church has been doing it for 2,000 years. But what I like about getting my hand in the water, we have the, we have the little kids stick their hand in the water whenever we remember their baptisms because my faith um, might feel fickle at times and my certainty of my salvation might feel fickle at times. But the Lord's promises are as sure as the water is wet. So it's outside of myself, it's objective. So I can stick my hand in the water and I belong to, I belong to Jesus even though I don't often feel like it. And then we go. Um, I actually wanted to do that. We're, we're, um, you'll, you'll be hearing about this in the coming, in the coming months. Um, we're, we're, we, the guy, Dave, who died is with Jesus, he left us a million dollars, which it's a nice gift. If any of you have a closet million dollars, be all happy to take that off your hands, help you out. The, the G, Jesus talks about how money can be a burden and we like to relieve you of that. No. <laughs> uh, but no, so he, he left us this wonderful gift and then just before him, Roger Homan died and left us a million dollars as well. So financially, um, so we went from being kind of hurting uh, right before COVID to now we're very, very blessed 
But we were like, what should we do? And both guys were like, fix all the broken stuff. So like, there's like, if you ever get sit close to the wall, as you can see the paint, the, sh the sheetrock starting to crack. This room's 25 years old-ish. Um, so we're gonna repaint the sanctuary. It's expensive to paint in here. Well, the organ has some, I guess, a lot of things that are broken. We need to fix that. And that's gonna cost us like almost a million dollars alone to fix that. The flooring is nice and stained from, from people spilling their coffee and, and what have you. So we're gonna, we're gonna replace all the carpet. And this room alone is gonna get a touch up. And as we were talking about that, we were like, we should do something with the fawn because you'd be, it's funny to see how many people fall in. <laughs> it's usually guests at weddings and baptisms and graduations. And it's usually, and, and this is the sad part, it's usually like grandma, because she, she'll be backing up taking a picture or something, and somebody just steps right in. Or little kids. My own children have stepped in a few times. It's not that deep. So then the question is, why? Why do we, why do we even bother with this? Long story, real quick, we're not gonna move, we're not gonna, I wanna build a nice big granite awesome font in the back and the center there, and then concrete over this, but then what do we do with this space? We can't keep tapering down the pews, because you have a pew of one right here, and who's gonna sit there? Maybe Harvey, right? So it's just kind of a weird, we, we don't know how to utilize this space otherwise. And frankly, it's gonna be very expensive to fix this if we did. And we, we rather would drop a million dollars into, we're gonna expand the, the, what is the cafeteria for the school and make it a double sized footprint dedicated Bible study space. So we don't have to keep setting up the gym for Bible study on Sunday morning. We'll have a dedicated Bible study place that's air conditioned versus the gym in the summer. And then make the narthex more of a cleaned up communication hub. Um, do away with that welcome center in the corner, which really isn't a welcome center because it's designed for you guys and you guys didn't even know it was there. That big, like, looks like a bar in the corner. Um, so we're just gonna re rethink that whole, that whole thing. But the, when they put this together, the idea was twofold. Um, a lot of you, a lot of Lutherans, unfortunately, in the, in the 20th century, moved away from an emphasis on baptism. And, um, and that's, that's happened for a lot of reasons, which I'm happy to talk about. But if you'll, you might have grown up in a church where your font was on casters, and they kept it in the closet behind the, where the Wizard of Oz is, and they wheeled it out for the baptism. They wheeled it back in. So as if baptism is this like temporary thing. So when they were designing this, they said, no one's gonna wheel this baby out. We're pouring it into the foundation. And so, and then, then the original design, this was supposed to be a bridge and with a, where the, you'd see the water going underneath, like moving water, so think baptismal life. Like while we are baptized once, um, we live from that baptism, it's, a, it's an ongoing life. But then practically, as, as foundations like to do, they crack and move and shift and making a bridge out of concrete wasn't a good idea. So it made it solid. Water still runs underneath through a PVC pipe. <laughs> Same idea, not as lovely. So the water, so this is actually, you know how, you know how when the, the flapper in your guest bathroom gets stuck and it just runs in the toilet, you hear, why is, did I hear water running? Oh, water's been running for two months because the flapper was frozen up, right? Um, that is what our water bill does because this is the, oh, this is runs continuously and it's, it's, unfortunately, we get the staining from the continuous water, but it's a steady flow. We turn it up higher when there's a baptism to make some more ripples going on. When they turn it up super high, because they're thinking, it'd be cool to have like a cascade going on. 
didn't work like that. It was this, the, the, the thing like spray water in the air. So like, we gotta keep it turned way down. So we typically keep it down and there's a baptism, they turn it up a little bit. It's, if, if you ever get a chance to see, we've had mice in there. James Blasius, who runs our live stream, uh, which we're gonna replace all this, by the way. In case you're wondering why we have a pile of, I call it the pilo cords. Um, this was literally me and Giuliani, our former cantor, we just like, COVID day one, we ran to Best Buy, grabbed this top of the line stuff, threw it in here, made it sure it was all working. Like, okay, okay, we'll fix it later. And as things go, <laughs> it's three years later, um, but we actually are, we, we just, we've already pulled the trigger on like a $30,000 project of redoing all the AV equipment in the sanctuary so that all new sound, new mics, uh, dedicated live stream equipment in the back, like all state-of-the-art stuff. It's just a matter of coordinating that with the paint job and everything else is happening in here. But James, who is sitting here for the live stream, sees a mouse swimming in the font. But it was during the verba, the words of institution, is when he, it was when it happened. It must come running from somewhere, felling. so he's thinking, he's, he's thinking theologically now, okay, what's better? for me to distract everyone with taking my hat. He, he wears a, a uh, I forget the name of that hat that he always wears, but it, he's like, he's, he's trying to grab this mouse from the font with his hat during the divine service words of institution, or he leaves it in there and everybody who comes to communion and walks past it and sees this flailing mouse. Like what's, <laughs> what's more distracting? So he ended up, he reverently, he got really, what he felt he was very reverent bow, <laughs> grabbed the mouse. He dispatched the matter. All right. Yeah, but does that kind of... So the, that was the original design, and we're, I think we're kind of stuck with what we got until we come up with something better. But the, the symbolism was you're passing through your baptismal waters as you approach the altar of God. That is, I can get in God's presence now and not fear because I'm a sinner in the presence of the Almighty God. Um, but I don't need to fear him because I'm baptized and I'm covered in Jesus. That's the symbolism. Unfortunately, the guy who has heavily designed this had no children. Pastor Rosso is kidless, right? So when I, I get here with my three little kids, I'm thinking one thing, do we need to bring our floaties to church? Like, are they going in? Like, how deep is this thing? Um, but, you know, it's, it's what it is. You make the best of what you got. Good, and everyone asks about it. A lot of people say it's lovely. That spider isn't so lovely. <laughs> and with this, all the natural lighting we have coming in, at different times of the year, we get like mildew will start to grow. It grows, mildew grows very quickly. And so we have our maintenance lady cleans it out. Good, any other questions on that? Got a couple more minutes here. I'm gonna keep chipping away then. Um, the baptismal life, uh, number three in our handout, you can... Well, you know what I want to do? Let's, let's, while we're in the hymnal, flip over to page um, 272. We'll do that. And then next week I can keep going on baptismal life. 272. So right after the rite of holy baptism on 268 is the rite of confirmation on 272. And that's, this is the rite that that we would, we would use on November 12th when you guys join the church. And like, like most things go, like you'd show up to church on the 12th and you'd be seeing this for the first time. And um, 
if we didn't actually, if we didn't actually look at this and talk about what's in this right, then you're standing up at church and I can throw something at you. I can, I can, I can throw a slider in there and, and you're going to say, I do, and give your vow before the altar to something you haven't really had a chance to think about. So I'd like to just look through this briefly. Um, Beloved in the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ said to his apostles, those he sent out to forgive sins, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and I'm with you always to the end of the age. You have been baptized and catechized as taught in the Christian faith according to our Lord's bidding. Jesus said, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father who's in heaven. Lift up your hearts, therefore, to the God of all grace and joyfully give answer to what I now ask in the name of the Lord. Pause. Most of you are probably confirmed already. You're thinking, I don't need this again. Is it going to give me like a second level of awesomeness when I get confirmed again? It's not, it's the same, it's the same right for joining a church as it is to be confirmed because all it is, I'm giving you no magical power. Sorry, Harvey. Um, all it is, is you standing in, standing in front of the church, but not facing the church, because no one likes to do that. You're facing the altar, and I'm saying, hey, do you believe what we teach? And you say, yeah, as, as far as I understand it. Are you going to be faithful in being my pastor? Yeah, I will. Are you going to be faithful in being my people? Yeah. All right, and turn around. These people, all these people in the sanctuary, they're, they're going to support you and you're going to support them. This is your church. That's the idea. But then there's a couple of words I just want to highlight. Um, there's the vow. Do you, do you, this day in the presence of God in this congregation, acknowledge the gifts God gave you in your baptism, which we'll be talking about, just to refresh your mind? Do you renounce the devil? At this moment, if you're in the movie The Godfather, lots of machine guns are going off. If you're familiar with that scene, do you renounce the devil and all of his works and all of his ways? That is, whose team are you on? Jesus or the devil? Obviously, the Lord Jesus and renouncing the way of the devil. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Uh, Jesus Christ, his son. This is all the, the Apostles' Creed. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I believe. Do you hold, this is the big one. Do you hold all the prophetic and apostolic scriptures to be the inspired word of God? We're, talk, we're gonna talk about what that means in a couple weeks. Uh, the inspiration and the reliability of the Bible and why we're so different than the ELCA and, and other church bodies out there has to do with this very thing. But you're thinking, what's a, what's a prophetic and apostolic scripture? I like, like the, the Bible. So prophetic, simply the prophets. So all the Old Testament. So I think Moses, the prophet Moses, a prophet like me, will, um, so Moses all the way through all the Old Testament. And then apostolic would be the apostles. Think New Testament, right? Uh, do you believe that the, the stuff that they put together, that the, stuff, the letters that they wrote and have been now bound together thanks to CPH, our publishing house, um, that that's the inspired word of God? Yes, I do. Do you confess the doctrine, the, the teaching of the Evangelical Lutheran Church, not the ELCA, we're terrible with acronyms, but that just means the, te the historic teaching of the Lutheran Church, which is that is drawn from the scriptures, as you have learned to know it from the small catechism. And the small catechism is like the, when you, you know how when you're making like a, or anything on the stove with boiling water, and, and the more the water boils, the, the more condensed the substance becomes. That's how you make like jelly and stuff like where, where it just can, boils it down, it condenses it down. That's the catechism. It's the boiled down Bible. Because when you got a short amount of time to teach the faith, 
It's nice to grab something quick. So that's the, that's the catechism. Um, to be faithful and true, yes. Do you intend to hear the word of God and receive the Lord's Supper faithfully because you are a tree that needs to be watered after all? Yes, I do, by the grace of God. Do you intend to live according to the word of God? That is not be perfect, but strive to love your neighbor. And when you fail, come running back to the Lord who cleans you up. And to remain true to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death? Wait a second, what am I signing up for? Well, that would be the idea. I'd rather die with Jesus than live without him. And God forbid that ever happens to us. Do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession and church? That's not necessarily staying at Bethany forever, but the idea is to be part of this, this Christian church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? Well, yeah. So what's, what, else, what's, what's, what else is worth dying for than the Lord Jesus and the faith? And then we rejoice, you've been baptized, you've confessed the faith, you've been absolved of your sins, you, you continue to hear and receive the sacraments. He has begun a good work in you, will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ, amen. There's a blessing given to all of you, um, strengthen you in the faith, life everlasting. Couple prayers, peace be with you, bada bing. <laughs> out, out you go. Um, but really at that point, as you hopefully between now and between now and this day, we'll continue to unfold the greater the teaching of the church. What is the baptismal life, and uh, have uh, your your questions answered, both very practical ones of like why we do what we do, why the building is what it is, but also more theological ones that might come up as you ponder these things. Take your catechism home. Um, De-shrink, rapify it. And what that catechism is, the first 30 pages are, are the, the Luther's catechism, the actual Luther part. The rest of it's questions and answers drawn from that. So like more minutia regarding like the, the specifics of baptism. When you come back next week, bring that catechism with you if you, think, if you think about it. If you don't, we got plenty. And frankly, the catechism is in the hymnal and the Bible, so you don't need to bring it. I want you, I want you to have that though at home as your resource. You can access it as you, as you need to. Any other questions for me? We're at time. Let's, let's close with, um, we'll, we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. There's a bunch of leftover donuts in the youth room. Help yourself to those. There's Ziploc bags you're gonna take a bunch home because otherwise stuff in church ends up like in some refrigerator somewhere, starts growing mold and we'll find it like next summer, you know? <laughs> so help yourself to those. They're so healthy, you know, you wanna have, eat donuts all day long. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next week. For tomorrow. <laughs>